Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Spliff. I'm Bo Nellis. Let's begin, shall we? We're going to open up with some stoner moments where I go over some of the things that uh, I discussed last time that I might want to talk a little bit more about. And the one thing that I kind of really wanted to to articulate a little bit better was my CBD use. I said things like I felt it was repairing my my nerves and uh, things along those lines, which I feel in retrospect might have been a little strong. When I use CBD, I certainly feel more emotionally and physically lubricated, like uh, emotionally, I say lubricated, but like, because it's a funny word, it makes me laugh. Anyway, but honestly, that's the way I say it. So I feel emotionally lubricated, like I can get to reason faster than emotion. I can push through the emotion much more easily and move on to the next step. You know what I mean? Like, I see my emotion, I acknowledge it, and I move on. And then I start problem solving. Whereas sometimes I get really stuck if I'm not medicating with CBD or if uh, maybe I'm in a, a depression and the CBD I normally take just isn't enough. That doesn't mean that I don't think there isn't a little bit of repairing going on in there somehow uh, as a way of saying it. I think, you know, the more that I exercise my my nervous system in a positive way, the stronger those connections are made. And CBD really does help fast track that process. So that's the sense that I feel it helps repair uh, my, my nervous system. And I just wanted to kind of clarify that. All right, we're going to move on pretty quickly here. Got so much to discuss. We have trichomes and cannabinoids. We're going to start with the trichomes. Now, trichomes literally mean hair in Greek from the Greek trachoma, but it actually refers to the outgrowths or appendages on many species of plants in the plant kingdom. And in cannabis, it refers specifically to the crystals, the white bits, the resinous appendages that are coming out of the plant, not the hairs. The hairs are actually going to be red or orange looking, and those are part of the reproductive process. They're pollen gatherers, and that's not the part where medicine is actually kept. Though I remember when I first started smoking that you always looked for the red hairs because that was a sure sign that you had some potent shit. That's actually not true. We know that's not true anymore. The crystals uh, are going to be the, the best part for your medicine. Now, when I say crystals, I really do mean the crystal-looking things. It should be white, kind of uh, almost sparkly at times, looking things on the plant. And if you don't have many of them, you're not going to have a lot of medicine. If you have a whole lot of them, it might look completely white or completely amber. It should not, however, look fluffy. If you have white bits that look fluffy, that's called powdery mildew, and that's not good medicine at all. That's actually really bad for you, and you should just throw it away. Uh, That's really the only way to be safe, depending on your personal health needs, so that's really the only advice I feel comfortable putting in a podcast, is to throw it away. I haven't done that with any of my stuff yet that I had. I had some hash that had a little PM in it, and I just froze it. And I'm just kind of waiting it out. I don't know. That's me being desperate. You don't have to be desperate like me, though. 
In the meantime, though, if any of you know what to do with hash with a little bit of PM that's been in the freezer for a few years, so I'm assuming maybe it's past that point. I know better than that. But anyway, if you have any suggestions, I'll take them. Just say to see good medicine go to waste. So the crystals hold the medicine and the crystals can grow on both male and female plants. Uh, they're resinous outputs that grow around the flowers primarily as a way to protect it, but they also grow on the leaf and stalk surrounding the flowers and wherever the seeds are grown. Now, GW Pharmaceuticals released a study where they identified six types of trichomes in cannabis, five of which can appear on the female plant. Three of those are regularly seen, so we're just going to cover those parts right there. Um, these will contain both cannabinoids and terpenes, and there's a lengthy process of a few weeks where the medicine actually develops while the, the plant itself is going through the flowering or the budding stage. Now, the three most regularly seen forms of trichomes, uh, the smallest is the first one I'm going to go to. It's the bulbous. And in, on a cellular level, it's only a few cells, actually. And it looks like a small blade of grass under a light microscope. The second largest is the capitate sessile, which looks like a, a drop of water lying on the leaf. It's slightly bigger on a cellular level than the bulbous, but it's uh, it's really close to the plant itself, so you don't always see it as a big, bright crystal on the plant. The one that that is, is the capitate stalked. That is the classic look with the long stalk and the fat, round head on top. You know, the, the biggest daddy around. You know, the one where you're going to, you just pick up your bud and you can like see this fat, crystally head sitting on a nice little stocky, crystally thing. Ah, yes. I love looking at crystals. I'm, I'm not much of a jewel girl. I don't really do diamonds or sapphires or any of that kind of stuff. But you give me some sparkly bud and I could look at that for days. And I'm like, look at this. I'll hold it. I would wear a ring of some sparkly bud on my finger. I absolutely would. Mm-hmm. Now, while I'll wear a sparkly nug on my finger, I don't actually prefer to smoke sparkly nugs most of the time. Trichomes are what you're going to monitor during the growth phase as your best clue to the potency of your batch. Uh, unless you have a lab in the next room, which mm, I'm going to say like 99.9% .9 of us don't have, using a microscope to check the development of your trichomes is definitely the way to key in on the right time for harvest. Now I mentioned that the trichomes go through a series of development during the flowering process. And what it seems is that the plant secretes chemicals into the resinous outputs, which have already grown onto the flower and surrounding areas, uh, though they can still get a little bit fatter, I think. Again, I'm not the grower on this one, so this is mostly theory here, which I'm good at. The science, I got, no problem. Uh, so the plant secretes these hormones or chemicals into the resinous outputs, and they develop into cannabinoids. The cannabinoids are going to develop first, and the trichomes will turn from this clear, glassy, multifaceted beauty into a cloudy, brilliant fluff of medicine. Now remember, that's a crystalline fluff, not actual fluff. If you have actual fluff, that's PM, and that's another podcast. Um, but once you get this cloudiness 
that is when the trichomes have filled with cannabinoids, whether that be THC or CBD or any other cannabinoid that you are looking for. The acidic form is going to be a cloudy, crystalline structure. And that's really what you want, uh, is the acidic form to be present because you're going to apply the heat when you smoke it and do other things. So if it's already developed into THC, that doesn't do you as much good. You're looking for the acidic forms. Now, after the acidic forms have developed and the trichome goes a nice, beautiful cloudy, it will also begin to fill with amber. The amber are terpene oils that are actually becoming present. It'll get this incredible smell. I mean, weed smells good no matter what, right? Once it begins to flower. But once you really develop the terpenes into your trichomes, the plant smells incredible. I mean, that's when you can smell a plant around the block. When you live in the middle of the block and you've got it in a closet, that's just when it becomes overpowering for a lot of people. Walking into a room of flowering cannabis is kind of like walking into a room of flowering lavender or drying lavender where uh, you're really affected by the smells around you. And it's not quite the same as getting high in the traditional cannabis sense, but there is certainly an affectation that is going on. And so police would often say that they were getting high when they were raiding these grow rooms and things like that. And, and in truth, they were absolutely being affected. They might have felt sleepier, more relaxed, but they certainly weren't getting high. And in your grow room, you won't be getting high either. Just FYI. But you're going to have an amazing smelling garden. Doesn't every gardener want that? All right. So your plant is in the flowering stage. You're monitoring it to find out when harvest is best. And you've got your handy dandy microscope to help you out. You watched your trichomes go from a clear, uh, without any cannabinoid material present in them to a nice cloudy cannabinoid filled and developed material uh, into a cloudier amber. And this process can go pretty quickly depending on what the plant is going through at the time and just how much control you have over the grow conditions and the genetics of the plant itself. Now, another really common way to view trichomes is with some clear, uh, very sparkly, rainbowy, faceted light reflectingness and some really dark amber oiliness. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have a lot of medicine. In fact, you can actually have quite a bit of medicine. Chances are that you might have a decarboxylated medicine. You might have a higher presence of THC than some other strains. So if you maybe have 18% THCA and 3% THC, you have 21% THC content overall. But the decarboxylation, which is the most effective medicine in the process of ingesting the medicine, is going to be lower because some of it has already been done. It can be a little confusing the way that they present test results. So I definitely want to spend a podcast going over test results. That might be next time. It might be, uh, I don't know, I was thinking of doing like some weed etiquette um, or... Uh, I don't know. I, I got a couple ideas. I'm not really sure. I haven't cemented down on anything yet in particular. Uh, but hey, I have recorded this a little early. I'm off the procrastination station platform. So I'm not doing it last minute. That's that's a good step. Uh, and 
Also another sign that my depression is is definitely turning around. I'm not as light and happy as I was that one day, but I'm definitely on the winning side of this war at the moment. But back to trichomes. Now, clear and dark amber trichomes are a little bit harder to actually zero in on when they're fully mature and ready for harvesting. I will say that if you have clear trichomes with amber nipples on top, you've waited too long. Your plant might smell amazing, but you're really not going to have a whole lot of medicine in it. The cannabinoids tend to be pushed out of the the trichomes with the terpenes. They're expressed, uh, I believe the term is, at the end of the flowering cycle. So you really need to harvest it before the end of that flowering cycle. And if you aren't familiar with your plant, having those clear and dark amber oily trichomes, you might want to also be kind of sampling your harvest alongside monitoring it with your microscope. Just a little precaution. All right, that's kind of wrap up my section on trichomes, let's talk about the actual cannabinoids that are within them. I've talked about terpenes a little bit already in indica versus sativa, the first episode, uh, part one, as it were. So we're going to focus in a little bit more just on the cannabinoids. Now, cannabinoids are named cannabinoids because they were discovered during the study of cannabis. There are three different types of cannabinoids. There are phytocannabinoids, as are present in the cannabis plant, phyto meaning plant. There are endocannabinoids, which are present in mammals, uh, human beings included, and all other mammals. Our own bodies actually produce cannabinoids. One of the best examples is in the breast milk of new mothers who are breastfeeding their babies There are cannabinoids present in order to induce sleepiness and hunger. There are also synthetic cannabinoids, which have been produced in a lab, and that's where you're going to get the the drugs like Drobinol or Marinol, whichever you want to call it. Now, the synthetic cannabinoids don't work as well by themselves, though I don't have as much experience with the Sativex, which is a combination of THC, CBD, and terpenes and terpenoids, which is supposed to mimic Blue Dream. I've heard good things about it, but not on the level of cannabis. Oh my goodness. So I live in Southern California, and it is pouring rain right now. And it floods outside of my apartment. So you can hear a lot of torrential water gushing by. You can hear it through the metal in my heater, pouring outside my door. It's kind of crazy right now. It's pretty fun. I'm super excited for it, though. Not for the flooding, but for the water. Obviously, we need it. However, the trucks really like to drive by in all the flooded water, and it makes for a really noisy recording. So this starts to feel a little disjointed. I apologize. There's a lot of pausing going on uh, with a lot of bong tokes between. Ah, actually, it would seem it's hailing. Fantastic. Doesn't seem to be letting up. We shall carry on. All right, so we discussed the three types of cannabinoids, phytocannabinoids, endocannabinoids, and synthetic cannabinoids. Now, there are actually 100 different types of cannabinoids just in cannabis alone. 
which I believe is the only plant to actually show cannabinoids. So phytocannabinoids would be only in cannabis, but I'm not actually 100% on that. Some of those cannabinoids, I believe it was 111 at the last count, are psychoactive, but most of them are not. And we're discovering a little bit more about it as we continue our research. But again, there's been this huge stonewalling against research. So knowing what has been looked at for its abilities alone and what has been looked at for its abilities in cannabis isn't really clear in the research all the time. But if you want to look for a place, I know that the University of Mississippi uh, was releasing some studies earlier this year. Um, They're one of the leading areas of research in cannabis in the United States. So what else do we know? We know that there are about 111 cannabinoids. We know that they can cross the blood-brain barrier, uh, presumably in both their acidic and non-acidic forms. So whether they have been decarboxylated or not, we know that THC is highly psychoactive, while CBD is mildly psychoactive. It is not non-psychoactive. It still certainly works in a way that alters your mental state, so we would call that psychoactive. Uh, And the other cannabinoids that are present have some varying degrees within themselves. Now, as these cannabinoids develop, they, they seem to all develop from the primary cannabinoid, which if I recall correctly, is CBC, or cannabichromine. That is the first cannabinoid to develop, and it shows significant promise. I know that that is one of the ones that they've been able to extract and are just kind of amazed by the things that it's done. But again, I don't know in what context specifically they've been able to test it. So I can't really discuss a lot of those results. Uh, We also know that there is THC or tetrahydrocannabinol, that there is CBD, cannabidiol, And there are the acidic forms. There's the tetrahydrocannabinol in its acidic form. There's also THCV, as in Victor. There's CBDA. There's CBDV. And these are some of the variants of cannabinoids, the little nuances that they are discovering as they begin to really uh, map the differences and, and really look at how these things play. And, you know, science is hard. You can't You can't make molecules react a certain way all the time when you don't know anything about them. So we'll get there. We'll get there. I can't tell you for sure if THCV is the best thing for you. And I can't tell you for sure if THCA is the best thing for you. We just don't really have enough research and we don't have enough testing of available materials where we know what the potency was and how people are using it and for what they're using it. Right now, we're just going to sit tight knowing that there are a lot of cannabinoids we are learning about, which can be difficult when you're looking at a lot of those ailment charts, uh, the ones that list the cannabinoids and then tell you what they're good for. And again, the problem is that they're pulling information from so many different places that we really can't be sure. It's kind of a stereotyped thing. Like uh, I remember saying one that doesn't list CBD as being an aid for sleep, where I totally think that CBD is an aid for sleep. 
uh, indica plus CBD really helps turn my mind off in ways that sometimes indica or CBD alone don't do. But I think they both act in certain similar ways with turning my mind off and helping me sleep. So they're kind of useless. I wouldn't really recommend looking at them or taking any one that you see to heart too much, but they could help point you towards some certain strains. Uh, they could give you a certain idea. It certainly is aggregate information from a wide range and is stereotypical of something that you might see the more that we can put research to experience. But if it doesn't work for you, don't become disheartened by that fact, all right? Because you just probably aren't stereotypical. You're too fucking badass and unique for that. That's all. And the studies about cannabis just aren't fucking good enough yet. Not knowing the differences in cannabinoids and what they do is just one of the things that makes legislation that only allows for one cannabinoid so ridiculous, just absolutely ludicrous. Uh, and there's a word for why in science, it just doesn't make sense. And that is called the entourage effect. Not an HBO or Showtime movie or whatever channel it was on, but kind of that same idea. Whereas THC is the star of the show, THC certainly doesn't act alone. There are significant nuances in the cannabinoids, their interplay with our own bodies, and the way that they play with the terpenes as well. The entourage describes the, the working cannabinoids and terpenes with our own body chemistry in order to achieve a desired effect. We're still learning what those minor nuances really are, but it's become extraordinarily clear, whereas 30 years ago, you got high because of THC. We really know that that's just not true anymore. And where you can combat illnesses with THC, a lot of times it's just not as effective if you don't have a lot of these other ingredients in the recipe. You can't bake a cake with flour alone, you know what I'm saying? So when they make legislation that calls for the allowance of only one cannabinoid-rich thing, or I think I read uh, something that, that talked about since cannabidiol is less than 1% THC, cannabidiol is always going to be less than 1% THC. The CBD and THC are cousins of each other that are developed from the CBC depending on different grow conditions and the genetics of the strain. So you're never going to have CBD that's THC. They're two different things. The plant will have CBD and THC, but the way that the legislation is actually written is completely ignorant of the science. Uh, and, and kind of upset about it because I believe it was this last week or something where the DEA eased restriction on research for CBD for big pharma in order to expedite the medicine and, and actually gave way that there is medicinal value in CBD, but that doesn't actually reschedule cannabis at all. It doesn't matter that CBD is a property of cannabis, according to them. I think according to logic and reason and common sense and decency, it should. All right, I'm going to end it on that note.
the rain has passed. It's time to safety, ladies and gentlemen. I've been talking about them for a few podcasts now, but I haven't really said what they are. Let's get into dime bags. Dime bags are high quality pillows that you can use to carry your glass pieces when you travel or to store. Dime bags are just such a higher grade of quality than so many of the other pillows that were available. And even, you know, like the wannabe Pelican cases, they just, they looked boring and they were really stiff and they didn't seem in the spirit of a pillow. But dime bags, they really give you that, that sense of a pillowed bag for your glass piece, but they bring you the security of a fantastic high quality zipper. I have two dime bags. One's probably like five inches by three inches. And then I have a 10 inch duffel bag version. Both of them have really heavy duty canvas material on the outside. And I've had the one that I carry with me on a regular basis for at least the last seven years. It hasn't torn. It hasn't uh, gotten any holes in it. it. It's in perfect condition. The zipper still works. And I use this baby all the time. This is the one that is in my purse, making it smell like weed all the time. Uh, it's the one, well, it's not the only thing making it smell like weed, but it's the one that I keep with me for travel when I, I go to the grocery store and I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll need a smoke bowl on the way back. Or if I'm traveling in an airplane and I'm going to a different state and I just want to make sure that I've got my medicine on me. I'm a really big fan of glass pipes, specifically glass Sherlock's. So my little dime bag is perfect for me. It has a pocket on the outside and came with a vinyl bag that they said is smell proof. I... I didn't buy that claim so much. Um, it didn't really see, I mean, it certainly cut back on the smell if you are worried about it, but I wouldn't call it smell proof. It can help make sure that you have a watertight seal against it or something that is more waterproof. Uh, in that sense, that's a, a great way to use their, their little baggie. But I didn't find too much use for it as a weed bag. It's kind of like a fancy Ziploc. And when you prefer jars and things of that nature, a Ziploc just doesn't cut it anymore. But I do use it to carry around my tools for dabbing and things like that when I would carry a pen around more regularly, which I stopped doing just because it wasn't as convenient. That's the cloud vape pen style uh, concentrate wax vape pens, not the... Uh, 510 battery pen style. Damn it, they're both called pen styles, aren't they? Anyway, this was the one that you had to uh, to load yourself, not the ones that you buy cartridges for. Boom, there. Now I got it. So uh, it did help for that. It was great for that. Another wonderful thing is the actual batting that is used in the dime bag itself. It is really high quality fluff that holds its shape really well and seems to protect my pieces very well. And this batting has lasted me, like I've said, I've had this pillow for seven years now. And while it's by no means as resilient and fluffy as it was seven years ago, it's still a really quality bag that I feel completely confident putting my glass pieces into. It's also got a pocket on the inside that you can use to store your cannabis again, or maybe a poker. I actually have a little poker clipped onto the zipper 
tag itself. Uh, and that works out really well. It also has a little clip uh, on the outside. I shouldn't say a clip. It has an air, a little hook that you can use to clip it to your backpack or your purse or something like that if you wanted to uh, to make sure that it was easy access. If you're at a festival or something and you wanna be able to just reach back and grab it, I think it's fantastic. The duffel bag has two pockets on it. It has a zipper pocket on one side and then it has an envelope style pocket on the other side. I'm not really sure what the name for that style pocket is. Uh, again, it's got the little hook so that you can clip it to your purse or something. And you know, I shouldn't say it's got a hook to clip it. It's got a fabric hook on the outside that you can use like a D clip to run through and hook it onto your backpack. So I hope that clarified it for some people. And then it also has these little vinyl uh, straps so that I could carry it duffel style. Since this one's larger, it has two zipper tags so that I could close it from either side when I need to, and it's filled with pockets on the inside. This 10 inch duffel bag is actually really great for concentrate pens. Uh, if you are a dabber and you like to carry your tools, if you have one of those fancy glass ones that you can take with you, the portable vape style ones, this is fantastic for it. It has a pillow all along the one side that runs the length. So I would say about a seven inch pouch on the inside. And then it has two smaller pouches on the other side of the duffel bag that would be perfect for storing your concentrates. Whereas the larger one is fantastic for your tools. And I don't have as much use out of this one because the piece I bought it for was actually too big. I didn't measure it, but I really like the style. And I've just never found a piece that fits into it yet. But like I said, it would be great for a vape tool. And I think I have the perfect one in mind that I was hoping to get. The duffel bag also came with a Ziploc style smell proofish bag. And I have to say that the batting in it, since I haven't used it much, it's still super fluffy. I mean, it's almost to the point of being overstuffed so that if it does get regular use, like my smaller one has, it's really going to hold up. Uh, and I really like that. I can't wait to be able to take it around with me everywhere. That's one of the things that I love about dime bags too, is they're super cute. They're just really fun. It's super fun to be able to carry something that says dime bags on it. That is, you know, it's from back in the day, I would say like the 60s, you would buy a dime bag that would cost you $10. And over the years, it diminished in the quantity of weed. A dime bag got smaller and smaller and smaller. And the quality didn't always get any better. Um, but these are really, really quality. They have cute little tags on them that say dime bags. And they don't have any weed type thing other than their name associated to the bag. So they're pretty covert too. Um, they actually have a dime as their picture. And I mean, that's really what brought me to to pick it up in the first place. I was like, oh my God, dime bag, how perfect of an idea is that? And I was hooked. It was super quality, super fun and stoner related. That's exactly the kind of product that I want to have in order to up my stoner game and protect my glassware, especially. I love my Sherlock piece and I would be heartbroken if anything happened to it. Uh, 
And you know what? That reminds me too. Actually, I have a glass giveaway to do still. Hey, 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 hey. I think I know how I'm going to do it. And you should expect to hear more details on that next week. Yay, fantastic. I can't wait for that. Maybe I'll maybe I can find a little a little dime bag that would fit perfectly with the glass piece too. Ooh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh in the meantime, feel free to call, email, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram me. Do whatever you got to do. Leave comments on the website, uh, reviews in iTunes. My phone number is 209-86-SPLIFF. You don't have to spell that out on the phone. Don't worry. It's all digital now. It'll do it for you. Just say, hey, Siri, call this number. She's got it. All right, you guys. Thanks for spliffing it with me. Ciao for now, and I'll talk to you next time.